0: Our goal is not for your kids to never get sick. Your goal is to help support their immunity so that when they do get sick, they can bounce back quickly. They can have the tools they need to get through it in a safe way and help you know what to expect.
1: Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally, because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Dr. Anjuli Gans from Resilient Rascals, and her goal over there is to serve as a resource for parents to bridge the gap between your instincts and professional medical advice. So I know that I have learned so much from her over the years. She is my go-to resource for my kids. She's not only a pediatrician, but she's also a mom herself. So she's been in your shoes, and she really just wants to help other parents feel empowered when it comes to their kids' health. So first things first, I'm wondering if becoming a mom yourself changed your practice at all as a pediatrician.
0: Absolutely. I mean, in so many ways, you know, I thought, gosh, I've trained at these great places. I study, I read, and those things are certainly important. But when I became a mom, I realized how much it hurts your heart when your kids are sick and how it can feel just so vulnerable when they're in a place where they don't feel well, they can't sleep, you're not sure exactly what to do next. So it's absolutely transformed my practice, not just in the sympathy, I think, and the empathy I feel with other parents now, but also in really wanting to give parents just The information that they need in the moment, like the actual information, not the high level stuff you see in Google, but like the step by step. This is what you need to do when your child has a cough. Do step one, do step two, step three. Here is what to have at home. Here's when to call your pediatrician. So it's definitely changed how I approach practice.
1: You know, sometimes as a nurse, sometimes I tell myself too, that I'm allowed to be in the mom rule. Like if my kids need to see the nurse or the pediatrician, like to allow myself to not have to be the one that knows everything, you know, it just really humanizes the mom to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think they, yeah, I think they really, that's kind of what your kids need. Right. With you in the moment. And I think it's more for comforting yourself a lot of times Mm -hmm. because It helps you care for them better to know what to do. But yeah, like they just kind of need you there with them to listen, to be their comfort.
1: And I know that we had a really great conversation on one of my other podcasts, but I wanted to bring you on to Expecting and Empowered because I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of our clients, they are in sick season right now. I mean, it is going around. We were talking a little bit before we got started. And what I want to normalize is how many times children get sick in their first year and then normalize that we aren't doing anything wrong if our kids get sick. It is a normal part of the process.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And I know we've talked about this at different times in different ways, but I think it's really important for parents to release that guilt that we sometimes have with our kids of oh gosh they got sick and I should have done more I could have done more you know kids get sick and th- it's part of building their immunity in their whole life so what i always tell parents is that in your child's first year of childcare or school whatever it is whether it's daycare or their first year of school if they wait to go to school It can be normal and completely expected to be sick eight to 12 times that year. And so that's like once a month, but an illness lasts a week or two, right? So it can feel like a lot of time. All of that is perfectly normal.
1: I think it's just so hard. My kids have gone to daycare their whole lives since they were 12 weeks. And I almost felt like I had the daycare kids, like the germy kids, because my sister, who I own the business with, she had a nanny. And so her kids were a little bit healthier than mine. And you can really feel that guilt of oh, like, is this not the right decision for my family? But I'm sure like a lot of people listening, I didn't really have a choice. Like that was the most affordable. That was the most available. That was the most reliable that worked with our hours. So just understanding that that is a normal process and that What we want to talk about next is hopefully for most kids, it does get a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I know that's certainly been my experience as my kids have gotten a little bit older. The sicknesses tend to spread out. We were really glad that we didn't make a rash decision and pull them out of daycare or anything because daycare has been really beneficial to them. So I want you to talk about that. Do you normally see kids starting to build that immunity and starting to at least spread out their illnesses?
0: You do. And again, that's not necessarily a reason to put your child in childcare. There are a lot of other factors, but it's a reason to feel good about wherever you are in the moment. You know, it's hard to see when you're in it and your kids are sick for what feels like forever, but it does build their immunity. It's like building blocks, right? So as they get older, and it can take sometimes a couple years to really see the impact of it because immunity is a slow process, but those kids end up maybe getting sick, but not for as long, or maybe they've been exposed to a lot of different strains of a virus. So when they get sick, it's a day or two versus five or six days, or they bounce back more. And I think it's really, really important, especially after the last few years, for us to reframe as parents how we think of our kids' health and our role in that. Because our goal is not for your kids to never get sick. Your goal is to help support their immunity so that when they do get sick, they can bounce back quickly They can have the tools they need to get through it in a safe way and help you know what to expect.
1: Yeah. It's almost like people sometimes feel like they can live in a bubble and they don't, they're like, if I just control this, but the truth is there are germs everywhere and it is really hard to live so secluded. So I just feel bad when moms are so hard on themselves and they're like, we shouldn't have taken that trip or we shouldn't have gone to grandma's because that just is a part of life.
0: I completely agree. And I do the same thing. You know, we're all
1: moms. We all
0: feel guilty if
1: you're like, oh gosh,
0: we went to this like whatever playscape or we went to this place and my kids got sick. It's hard not to feel that as a mom in general. It's something I feel like as a mom, I actively work to reframe in my mind every day. So I do understand but just like you were saying Amy, me, I mean, just because you keep your kids at home doesn't mean they're not exposed to a lot of different things in different ways. And also, at some point, kids are exposed to a broader germ pool, right? Whether it's at year one, or year two, or when they're older, um, or through family or through gatherings. So it's, I agree with you, it's so hard as a mom not to feel that guilt. But it's so important. And I think that thinking about illness in a different way can really help, even though I know how difficult it can be when you're in it.
1: So what we've covered so far is we know we can't prevent everything. And we know that shouldn't even be the goal. What we do know is that there is a lot of respiratory viruses going around right now. And parents do want to feel like they're doing something. So do you (laughs) have any good tips, whether it be that the mom has a baby or a toddler? Is there anything that actually works to prevent respiratory illness?
0: Mm -hmm. It's a good question. And you're right. It feels good to kind of feel like you're controlling something when things feel completely out of control (laughs) with illness, right? So I think that I would probably recommend a few things. The first thing is if you have kids who are in a childcare setting outside of the home, a very simple thing to do is when they get home to just change their clothes real quick, have them wash their hands and their faces. Or if you can switch bath time to be right after they get home from school That will help a ton to reduce the germ burden coming in from outside. So when I have patients who have new babies at home and also toddlers or older kids, that's one of the first things I tell them to do because it will really make a difference. Like we hold so much in our face, on our hands, on our clothes. Um, So if that's a possibility in your household and it's a simple switch in routine, it can help a ton. That's like the first thing I would say. And the second thing I would say is that I think a lot of parents kind of feel like if they clean enough, you know, like at home, sometimes that can prevent it and cleaning is very therapeutic for me. So I know it kind of feels good. And I'm like, oh, I've done something. But more important than that for respiratory illness is actually the air that you're breathing because that's how mm. you transmit colds and coughs and what have you, right? It's breathing out from your mouth and your nose. So things like air purifiers can actually help like in your kid's bedroom, um, or places that are high traffic areas to just kind of pull some of that extra respiratory particle out. That can do a lot too. those are simple, simple, intentional things that any family can do day to day to help.
1: It kind of reminds me of when I was a nurse and you come home and take all your scrubs off and like clean yourself because you know that you were exposed (laughs) to a bunch of germs. Yeah. Um, When do people know? I think a big question people have is like, when do I know when my child needs to be seen when it comes to a respiratory issue? It's a great question. So the first
0: thing I would say is that knowing how to check your baby or your child's breathing is one of the most important skills that any parent can have. And I know you know this as a nurse. like we talk about it when you're talking about your kids, that if you know how to check your child's breathing, you will know immediately are they in what's called respiratory distress or are they in a respiratory place where they can manage at home. So I have a reel on my Instagram page that um, goes through it step by step. And it's families on – our page in our community that contributed pictures of their kids and videos of their kids. So I would highly recommend that any parent take a look at it. Um, it's pinned on my page. Uh, I can share the link with you later if you want. That's the number one thing because that will tell you if you need to be seen urgently. And then once you've established that, usually with coughs and colds, there there are two things to kind of keep in mind. Number one is that they can last for any given illness, like seven to 10 days. And this year we're seeing coughs that last even longer than that. So almost two weeks. So usually I will say if your child has had a cough every single day for between 10 to 14 days, it's time to be seen just to make sure there's no secondary infection or wheezing or something else. And then the last thing I will say I talked about um, in my stories today, actually, um, is if you have A cough and a fever, the timing really matters. So, most Mm -hmm. viruses have a very predictable time course. It's like fever and cough, and then the fever goes away after a short period of time and the cough may linger. That can be very normal. But if you have a cough for a few days and then suddenly a new fever, it's really important to be seen. So, cough, then fever, because those things in my mind, if I see a patient, trigger to me. I want to make sure it's not an ear infection. I want to make sure there's no pneumonia. There's no secondary infection. So that can be a little bit more of a helpful tool, I think for parents in the moment.
1: That makes perfect sense to me if anyone's listening and they're thinking 14 days, that sounds so long. It sounds long to me too. And it is, it's long. a long time. Like, it is tough <laughs> to, time. you know, cause a lot yeah. of times we were talking about before the cough will really kick up at night right? and then yes. you're, you're losing out on sleep, your child's losing out on sleep. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you can do to kind of soothe the child before they go to sleep? If they have that cough that kicks up at night?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually really interesting. I'm like, just, I love the physiology of like illness and things like that. So it's really interesting because coughs are actually worse at night for a couple of different reasons. So number one is our hormone cortisol, you know, we all have it and it fluctuates through the day. It's actually fighting off immune response through the day. It's very active most times during the day for kids. And at night it drops down a little bit. So it's not uncommon for your immune system to suddenly kind of kick up with all of that illness at nighttime. And then things like postnasal drip, right? When you're laying back, it can be much more pronounced. And that's very common with coughs and colds. And then lastly, things like allergies and asthma naturally also kick up at night because your histamine levels are lower. Um, and so there are a lot of reasons that coughs are worse at night. And it's also horrible because that's when your kids want to rest. It's when you want to rest. So I kind of approach it threefold. Like I think about it if it's post-nasal drip, the best thing you can do is do steam saline suction right before bed. Try to get out as much as you can and try to keep them elevated as much as you can before bed um, just so that they can kind of drain it out and that can help. Um, if it's something like allergies, let's say, um, or asthma, I would talk with your care team about the best time to do different medications or treatment. And then honey really works really, really well. Like it really does. And it's the data on it is so great for coughs that if you can mix that into something or just give like a small half teaspoon to your little one, maybe an hour or half hour before bed, it'll help to coat their throat and can help with comfort. And then definitely have a humidifier. It will help a ton, a ton, a ton. It just loosens up all of that congestion and it can be really comforting
1: for kids at night. I just bought two more and have them going in all of our bedrooms because it is so dry (laughs) in the winter and just so needed. Speaking of the winter, we do know that people are gathering. It's the holidays. We just got through Thanksgiving. We have some holidays coming up. What I remember this, when Trey was little, my, my middle, he's a November baby. So he was very small at the holidays and it was a little bit scary as we just talked about. What do you suggest for women and for dads that feel like they don't want the baby to be passed around? I think when people are excited to meet the baby, we totally understand that. But if they feel nervous about the baby being passed around, what do you suggest?
0: I would just blame me or blame your pediatrician. It's honestly like, I mean, you know, it's good to be able to stand up for ourselves and it's good to learn the language of how to say, this is the boundary and I'm holding to it. But I've also been there. It's really hard in the moment. It's hard because you understand the excitement. It's a good time, truthfully, to use your care team, like just to say, you know, honestly, our pediatrician. They're a little bit more strict than we are, but they said we really shouldn't have them around anyone right now. Um, And you can kind of be a little more subtle with it too, you know, like using a baby carrier. If you have a baby that's a little one, just holding them the whole time or putting them in a stroller um, or car seat, just somewhere where they're kind of away on their own um, can help a lot with just reducing that part of it. I... I have the same, I have a November and a December baby. And they're, I think, 17 months apart, 18 months apart. And I remember just literally holding them in my Catan for the first couple of holidays. Like my husband would hold one and I would hold the other. And they would fall asleep. And I was like, oh, we don't want to disturb them. They're sleeping. So there are a lot of ways around it. You know, at the end of the day, you do your best, right? Like mm-hmm. if people want to hold them, you do your best. You just make sure that people are washing their hands, that if they're sick, you just try your best to have them not hold the baby and just be like, again, our pediatrician really doesn't want us to have him around or her around with people right now, it's okay to do that. It's okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like using your mama bear tendency, just a little bit more understanding yes. this is a really little baby and getting sick yeah. is a bigger deal for them. So just know that it might be a little uncomfortable, but I don't think you're going to regret doing it.
0: I completely agree. And I was just talking with a lot of friends and parents about over the Thanksgiving holiday, like having sick kids or having new babies and how they managed. And people have a lot of opinions at these big gatherings. (laughs) And it's hard. It's hard as a mom. It's hard not to take things personally, but it's also a good time to, you know, like you said, use your mom of your instincts a little bit.
1: We wanted to take a short break and let you know that this podcast episode is brought to you by the Expecting an Empowered app, which is your complete roadmap to an empowered and strong pregnancy and postpartum. As busy moms ourselves, we know that your time is valuable. Our app workouts are designed to be done in just 30 minutes and will help you in pregnancy to prepare for your labor and in postpartum to heal progressively and safely. You can work out knowing the exercises are safe for you exactly where you are in motherhood And all you have to do is press play. If you want to join the thousands of other women on the Expecting and Empowered app, you can use the promo code PODCAST25 for 25% off a month or a year. You can work out for just $10 a month when you sign up for the year. Visit app.expectingandempowered.com to sign up today. We'll also put that in the show notes. We'll see you in the app. I think one thing that people struggle with, I know it's been hard for me in the past is when is it okay to send the child off to daycare or school when, you know, we all know they're probably not going to be a hundred percent every time you send them <laughs> yeah. as a pediatrician. What is your advice for people that are like, okay, I'm seeing a couple things, but they they still seem pretty good. Um, yeah. And when do we keep them home? Yeah, it's
0: a great question. And I think especially for this year, it's really important to think about because these illnesses are lasting a long time. So in a dream world, yes, like kids would not go back till they were perfectly healthy. And we all know what the perfection moment is. But in reality, most kids are much less contagious from a respiratory illness after the first three to five days of symptoms. And so beyond that, it's a lot about hygiene, like helping them to learn to cough into their elbows, to use tissues, to use hand washing. That would be kind of my realistic advice. And then of course, if they have a fever, mm-hmm. they shouldn't go in. And that's just really not just for everyone else, but also for your your child, right? For helping them to feel better. So they should usually be fever free. For about twenty four hours without any medicine, so you know, without using Tylenol or ibuprofen.
1: Absolutely, I, I just think it's so hard with different sick policies for mm-hmm. the employer. You know, like yeah, sure. Oh, it's just so hard hard. for parents. When I was a nurse, it was so stressful. So if you're going through that, I absolutely understand it. I was going to say, I ended up in my manager's office (laughs) getting talked to because I had missed so much work because I had three kids, close in age, small kids, Yeah, just one after another.
0: Yeah. You feel so bad. And it's just, we all go through it. Like my kids go through it too. And we all have to do our best. And I feel like this year maybe more than the last few years. I do think that schools and child care settings are, in general, a little bit more understanding than they've been in the past. Like I think that kids go back when they're clearly not 100%, but maybe are on the tail end of a virus. And I think in general, from what I hear, from what I see, it feels like a better year in that understanding. But It's so stressful as a parent, right? Like you hate to call out in your job. You feel so bad for your kids. You want to be there for them. But then you also are dealing with all of this additional pressure. So it's a lot.
1: Yeah, I would have to really give myself a pep talk. I was like, Amy, you know you're a good employee. You <laughs> yes. know you're a good nurse. You know yes. that you wish you could be there. You know you Yes. You're not trying to let anyone down, but it's more important that you are home with this child today. Of
0: course, it's the most important thing. And if you can do it, it's wonderful. If you can't, it's really hard. So, it's there's it the guilt is like on so many levels yeah you know and it's I hard. always share
1: too I I really had to let Drew take some of the sick days like at first it was like I'm a nurse I feel like it, and I was breastfeeding and I feel like I can comfort And then it got to a point where it was like, there's no option. Drew has to help with some of these sick days because these kids are sick. And it was really special because he felt like it really helped the bonds. Like he was like, you weren't there. And so they had to let me comfort them. And so, you know, if you're still taking all those on yourself and you do have a partner, maybe thinking about also having them take some sick days. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think whatever is possible. I think that your circle grows so much when you have kids in general, right? And especially when you start to really need some extra support. It's really amazing if you have the ability to have other people involved.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Let's go back to humidifiers for a second. So (laughs) I am not a germ phobe. I really am not, but humidifiers I've heard that they do Harbor bacteria. So I go to use them from last year and I just clean them like crazy. I was like, I just feel like I need to sanitize this. How often do we have to do that? Because we do know it can be kind of a process depending on which one you have. How often should we be sanitizing our humidifiers?
0: That's a really good question, Amy. So I, I will say, I thought you were um, talking about humidifiers today. So I am a huge fan of a couple of humidifiers because of the sole reason of their efficacy, but the sole reason of their ease of cleaning. Because I think you're right. And we've all been there. We've all been like, oh, I think I clean pretty well. And then you pull out the humidifier from last season and you're like, oh, that's disgusting. And like, how much do you do? Technically, with most humidifiers, people will say every week you should be cleaning it. Okay. And technically, technically, you're supposed to use distilled water because that will help to reduce a lot of that. Do I think do I think most people do that? No, I have a humidifier and I don't use distilled water and it's been fine. Um, so I think a lot of it depends on the humidifier you have. And this is one of those things where I um, did a complete, complete deep dive into humidifiers. I think it was two years ago, maybe last year. I tested out 25 think 30 maybe like I just was obsessed with figuring it out it became my husband was like you're now a humidifier (laughs) like Like, (laughs) (laughs) he was like what is happening but I was like I just want to know which one works and I recommend things you know a lot on my page and I never want to recommend something that I would not use myself or feel comfortable with and so I did a total deep dive and there were like one or two that really stood out. And the one that I love, I know you said it's pricey today and your stories is the care pod. (laughs) It is, but people said it's worth it. But let me tell you something. It will last you years. So I have had mine for five years and it works perfectly and it's dishwasher safe and you never have to clean it. It's like never had an ounce of mold in it. And I really don't clean mine very much. Um, So it's for most humidifiers, I will say, to answer your question. Every week you should use distilled water. And most people say vinegar is fine to wash it with, but warm so warm water and soap is fine as well.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, maybe I should have gone with that one. No, it's okay. Don't worry. I didn't. It is pricey. It was on sale
0: for Black Friday, and I have like the dorkiest Amazon page. Like my <laughs> <laughs> like my personal order history is very limited to just like health stuff. Cause I'm like, what good deals can I get on your purifiers this year?
1: <laughs> so it's like the least fun holiday. I page. do feel <laughs> like it is hard for those of us that do live in cold weather because, yeah. and I've seen this, the mental load of winter parenting. Of course yeah. we're talking about germs, but like to send three kids every day with s- snow stuff when they're constantly like misplacing their hats and gloves And then to think about filling four humidifiers, it's just, it is a lot. So I could see where an easier one could be worth the investment. If you're younger than me, maybe you want to go with an easier one. (laughs) Okay. I want to know. So whenever I have someone like a pediatrician in front of me, I'm like, I want to know what you do with your kids. So when it comes to immunity, are you doing elderberry? Are you doing vitamins? Are you doing anything that you feel like we should be doing to help our kids with their immune systems?
0: It's such a good question. And Amy, I'm a little hippy dippy. Like I really do not give my kids any medicine if I can help it. Like if they need it, of course I give it to them, but they've never been on antibiotics. They've never taken more than a day or two of like ibuprofen. And that's just because I know what to look for, right? Like I can, I know how long we can weigh things out. Um, So I generally am a little more minimalist with all of that. And I will say in terms of their immunity, I do very simple things. We do like whole foods, like vitamin C. Mm. I do um, mix like bone broth or chicken broth into foods they're eating already. So if I'm making dinner, I'll mix that in because the cysteine in broth can really help with loosening congestion and preventing mucus from accumulating. And I help to just keep them hydrated as much as I can. I don't do a million vitamins. I don't do like anything else. Okay. A, A because my kids just wouldn't take it. They would just be like, oh, we're not interested in that today. <laughs> but also because I just feel like the simpler I can make their day-to-day immunity, the better, right? Like the longer term it will last. So I think also when it comes to vitamins, like – There are very specific reasons that kids should take vitamins. And I feel like with social media and just the world the way it is, Mm -hmm. there are it's like there are so many people like lining up the supplements their kids take. And it's fine. If that works for you, that's great. But I don't ever want a parent to feel pressured into thinking that they need to give their kids 13 supplements a day for them to be able to fight off illness um, because their bodies are incredibly resilient. So I feel a little bit personally responsible for saying that your kids don't need a million different, different supplements to make them healthy. And you'll get pounded with ads as the new mom. Like you'll get pounded with them, right? Like people who are selling a hundred different things who are kind of making you feel like We said earlier, you want to do something for your kids. And again, if it works for your family, that's totally fine. But most otherwise healthy kids don't need a million different things. So I do very simple things. There's some data that zinc in small amounts can help to prevent lengthy respiratory illness. So that might be the only one that I would try if the kids were sick, but that would be it
1: that would be it. Okay, you guys, look at this. I don't give my kids <laughs> any vitamins and that answer made oh, me feel love it, Amy. That an- answer made me feel good cuz I I sometimes I'll be around a friend and they have this whole routine and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I am I, I delinquent or am I doing okay?" You're doing great. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we have to ask too. So, I love your account. You know that I've been a huge fan of yours. What accounts do you love? Are there any other specialties that you look to in your parenting, whether it be a physical therapist, an occupational therapist? Like, is there anyone that you're following that you really trust and appreciate their guidance?
0: Oh, my gosh, you're so sweet, Amy. That's very kind of you. And also, I love sharing stuff like that because I'm a mom like everyone else. I have young kids. Um, I think I follow most of the same accounts that a lot of my followers follow. Like We're kind of all in it together. So I love expecting an empowered. I used it after my second son. I have like all your stuff, like sitting in my little gym here. <laughs> and I think like pelvic floor PT, I mean, I don't have to tell you, but I just think it's one of those things that I wish after my first baby, I had heard about, known more about, understood the impact of. So I tell every new parent to follow your page, but also to like think about pelvic floor PT. Yeah. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I feel like you and your sister talk about like how to lift a car seat and I saw one the other day that was like how to give your kids a bath with proper posture and I was like oh my gosh. This is why my back has been hurting for this many years because I've been doing it all. <laughs> so all those tips are great. I love you guys. I love Um, you and Abby, all your pages. It's just really nice, realistic things. For someone who's a small business owner now too, you know, it's really helpful to kind of learn tips and be practical. I have followed Casey since my milestones in motherhood. I think that's how you and I met, right? I think so. Yeah.
1: She's like, she loves you.
0: She's the best. She's such a kind person. When my kids were really little and I was kind of working on just sort of tummy time and rolling. I started following her. And I think she is again like great practical tips. I, basically, anyone who can give me tips that are like, how can I do this day to day without taking up half of my day to do it? Like, how can I incorporate it day to day? Um, I love We Talkers. I don't know if you know them, Katie and Carly for Speech. I think they have really good advice in general, but also they have great book lists like for mm. kids at different ages. And I love I'm always kind of looking for things to read my kids and, you know, just kind of different ideas. So all of those are kind of specialists, I would say, that I, like, I don't know if you know, do you know Morgan Cutlip? Oh, um, yeah. I've interviewed done her sh- a couple times, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. I love her book. I love her page. I feel like she's helped a lot with, like, just kind of understanding motherhood a little bit differently and in helping to, navigate relationships of all kind. So I think there are, I'm sure there are a bunch of other ones as well. Let me think. Those are the big ones that I follow in terms of like motherhood, day-to-day specials, things like that. Um, there's Absolutely. like so many amazing I know. things out I there. I love all the people. You know, same there's so many.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, and we get to know them a little bit behind the scenes and they're just, mm-hmm. every, everyone you named is just a good person. Yeah. Really. Yeah wants to help people. And yes. and we can just appreciate that so much. Yeah. Okay. If people want to learn more from you, could you let them know where to find you?
0: Sure. So on Instagram, I'm at resilient rascals. It will link to my website as well. And I have a searchable blog with resources um, for you, no matter what your kids are going through, whether it's health or illness or development, it's very, very easy to use. And then I have a few resources on there as well for parents that I think are very, very helpful in the moment of illness. So little first aid handbooks, illness handbooks, a vitamin guide for just the things we were just talking about. Yeah. So Instagram and my website are probably the two best places to reach me.
1: Okay, you guys, and we will link all of that. I can also tell you her highlights are phenomenal. I had a bee sting this summer. One of my kids had a bee sting this summer. I was right on your highlight (laughs) or right on your post. Like, let me figure out what to do next. Oh, thank you,
0: Amy. That's very sweet. Yeah, I really work on those highlights. I like update them all the time because that's my dream is like for a parent who's going through something in the moment, whether it's a bee sting or a fever or a head injury to be like, click, click. It's just like I'm right there with you. Like it's just like I'm triaging you step by step. I really give you only what's important. So that's sweet. It's helpful.
1: Well, it you're living your dream because I can tell people it is such (laughs) a helpful feed. So thank you so much for being
0: on. I appreciate you, Amy. Thanks so much for having
1: me. If you guys enjoyed this interview, we would love it. If you shared it on Instagram, tagging at expecting and empowered and at resilient rascals.